This is the story of Treasure Island. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. A life on the ocean wave, a home on the rolling deep, where the scattered waters rave and the winds their revels keep. The winds, the winds, the winds their revels keep. The winds, the winds, the winds their revels keep. Welcome aboard the good ship Medfield. She's a stout ship that could easily bring back all the pirate gold one could imagine. I mean, all the nondescript cargo one can imagine. But we're forming our crew and preparing to set sail. Won't you join us on a commercial voyage of no real significance? But first... Let me introduce you to our crew, the ship's doctor, Mr. Michael Crawford. How's it going, my brother? Oh, uh, it's festive, festive grog at my side, so I'm ready to the set sail. Mm. Yeah, the cook yeah. aboard this here vessel, he be a man of mysterious origins, Mr. Andy Brown. Andy, how's it going? I didn't know he was a Klingon, but... Uh, i'm doing well i'm doing well i was does my pirate speak then it's tough to understand and we have the captain there mr robert mcswain robert how's it going tonight i feel like i need to uh dial back the rum ration here on the on our cook (laughs) (laughs) i think he's gotten gotten a taste for the rum And I be the first mate, Jeff Crawford. I'm not prone to the rum drinking or plum duff, though, at least not whilst recording podcasts. So, if you can't tell by our funny talk here, we got a uh, trip aboard the high seas, don't we, Michael? What are we watching this week? Yeah, we are going to be watching the 1950 Disney classic Treasure Island. Uh, Written by Lawrence Edward Watkin, he of writing Darby O'Gill and the Little People, The Great Locomotive Chase, and several others. Uh, He also wrote the book upon which Spin and Marty serials were based. So he had a little bit of everything. Uh, Directed by Byron Haskin, who had been a camera operator, cinematographer guy at Warner Brothers before who had previously worked on some pirate films uh, like the Seahawk with Errol Flynn and the Sea Wolf. A lot of things Uh, It's produced by Purse Pierce, who had started as an animation director for the Disney classics like Snow White, all those, and then moved on to producing the early Disney live action features. We've got Bobby Driscoll starring who had been one of the first two live action actors under contract to Disney when he signed for Song of the South in 1946. Got Robert Newton as Long John Silver, Basil Sidney and Finley Curry. Also notable in the crew is Freddie Young, the cinematographer. He would go on to become an Oscar winning legend for his work on David Lean films like Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. Yeah, and he also shot You you Only Live Twice, so uh, a lot of, and and many, many, many more. Uh, This was the first completely live-action Disney film ever made. It uh, 
followed some movies like Song of the South and So Dear to My Heart that had animated portions. And originally, this was supposed to have animated segments like stories that Long John Silver would tell to Jim and they would be, you know, animated cutaways mm. to these tall tales. But eventually they just did it all live action. It was shot in England because all of Disney's funds were locked up there after the war. You can take your money out of the country. You had to spend it there. So every pound that they earned in England, they had to spend in England. So they shot a bunch of movies over there. And uh, it was it was quite a thing. Uh, a lot of location photography. They got a real ship to shoot on, as we'll talk about, I'm sure. And uh, Bobby Driscoll, the only American in the cast, they got into some trouble with that because he did not have a labor pass, you know, to work. He a labor card cleared to work in England. He was too young to get one. So they basically uh, shot his scenes illegally. <laughs> um, and <laughs> then they got caught and were taken to court. And him and his dad and I guess Disney were each fined like 100 pounds apiece. But while it was on appeal, they just hurried up and shot all the rest of his scenes and then got him out of the trial. <laughs> So, so this is kind of guerrilla filmmaking. And the director later said that it, it was kind of hard for him because they shot all of Driscoll scenes like way, way up front at the start of the movie and then didn't have him the rest of the time. Oh, that explains so some, was, some shots uh, then that I'll, I'll talk about later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, a, a lot of behind the scenes drama that, uh, that I, that I was completely unaware of, but yeah, based on the, the old novel by uh, Robert Louis Stevenson. So, yeah, a classic. Uh, Bobby Driscoll, I always think of as like uh, Walt must have thought of him as as an avatar for his childhood. I mean, there was something some connection between the two of them that oh, is really strong. So I'm sure he stuck his neck out for him pretty, pretty strong in that regard. Yeah, I, I've, I've got a feeling. So, I mean, the way he signed him on early for Song of the South and the way he the projects he put him in it. Yeah, that's a great point. I, there had to have been some sort of connection there. So we get Bobby, um, a real Disney treasure. Well, Clifton Parker on the music, who I'd never heard of, but he had done a lot of work himself and did a bunch of work. So it was before they got their, uh, you know, their stable up. But there were, you know, you had your Peter Ellenshaw was there. There's a couple, couple of people there that were uh, that would go on to be be part of this the studio machine for disney uh going forward a lot of movies we've seen have benefited from them so this is a very beginning of of that yeah it is always funny to watch these early movies the very very early ones and where they would just hire like especially with song of the south they would hire Tud, and it's completely different from the, the films we mostly talk about from the sixties and seventies, where you see the same names, every movie, like they, they were bringing in just whoever they could get, you know, top name talent. And, uh, cause they didn't have anybody at the studio. Right. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I was going to ask was that, were they having to like uh, borrow them from other studios or, I mean, cause everyone was under contract back then. So yeah, I don't know how much the technical people were. I, that's a good question. But but yeah, like the director of this came from Warner Brothers. And um, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how that worked, but I, I would assume there was some of that involved. Well, Andy, you know, you've 
like we said, we always say these days, you've kind of gotten up to speed on, you know, the kind of bread and butter of stuff uh-huh. we worked on the, the last, uh, you know, that darn cat two episodes ago was just like right down the middle of stuff you're used to this a little bit different. So had you ever seen this movie before? I don't think I had. I if I had, I, it had been a very long time, and it's probably just a few scenes. Uh, yeah. But honestly, it was because I was so familiar with the story from, of course, reading the book and, and school, and then oh, also I could not help but separate this from Muppet Treasure Island, which I love. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, and so. Uh, uh, because of that, it, I was like, everything felt, felt very familiar. But as far as the movie itself, I, I can't say that I'd actually seen it all, I think. Yeah, I don't actually know if I've seen it all the way through, to be honest. Um, hmm. I mean, I know I've seen a lot of it, but I mean, I probably have, but I don't know. I can't say that I have mm-hmm. for sure. Some of those beats did not seem super familiar to me. I mean, they did from the story, like you said, but not mm-hmm. visually, so. Yeah. Robert, you have a history with this one? Was it? Yeah, it's a pretty deep history. We, I mean, my dad loved it and we had, a, I think we had it on VHS for a while. And then he, he went and upgraded to the DVD uh, version oh, hey. and he would watch it <laughs> a lot. And, um, that was like, I mean, he just, if we were going to put a movie on, that was one of the ones he wanted to see. And I believe he said he saw it cause it came out when he was three. He wanted, uh, or he said, I think he said he watched it on television. It aired uh, like, on TV when he was like seven or eight. That sounds about right. Cause they put it on the, um, the Disneyland TV show. It, okay. it never went into uh, re-release in theaters, but they put it on the Disneyland TV show. So that's probably where he saw it. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and then he said he just fell in love with it. He loved it then. And, uh, and big, big Robert Newton fan. Well, yeah, it's pretty magnetic. Uh, did your dad, who do you, well, I mean, maybe the answer to the question I was going to ask, who do you think your dad saw? Uh, himself as in this in this film well he <laughs> he saw himself quoting uh long john silver the most but uh okay. i mean i'm sure he uh he was uh jim hawkins uh yeah. was you know who he, he, he changed it to over it. time you know yeah i guess as a father he was always uh <laughs> he seemed to be favoring uh long john silver though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like secret desire to be long john silver you know the black dog <laughs> the black dog <laughs> i really identify with the black dog yeah i had never seen this i don't think all the way through until uh, leonard malton showed it on tcm mm. back sort of middle of the last decade when they were doing those disney nights on tcm and i think that's the first time i saw it all the way through yeah it wasn't part of our rotation and probably because uh, I don't remember them showing this on the Disney channel. Most of our stuff comes from rips from the Disney channel or, or what was on home video. And this, this was on home video, but I don't, I don't remember ever getting that. Yeah. I don't remember ever getting it. Well, a funny thing about it is they finally re-released it in theaters in, I believe it was 1975. And when this, when it first came out, there wasn't a, the like rating system that they had in the seventies. So they had to rate it in the seventies and it was rated PG and Disney still at that point in 1975 had a policy of nothing, no PG movies, only G rated movies. We will only mm-hmm. release G rated movies. So they got in a back and forth with the uh, MPAA and they wound up cutting like a, a lot of the movie to get it down to like a G rating. And mm-hmm. the first like home video releases, I think, were 
probably an edited version until until like DVD came around and they finally like put out the the full version. So very interesting censorship. We should also mention, you know, that was around the time of Madagumbe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. In fact, Disney Plus, when I finished watching this, suggested Madagumbe to me. Same, same. <laughs> I was surprised I didn't uh, recommend Treasure Planet. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, I got Treasure Planet. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. that one too. Okay. Madagumbe. I should also mention, and we'll talk about his performance, but Robert Newton, everything we think of now as pirate talk, you know, talk like a pirate day, pirate, anytime people act or talk like pirates, basically comes from this performance like that's how long a shadow it casts that's like, what i was reading like this was like a couple of years ago and i was like astounded by that too yeah like he was from the west country from cornwall and that was not just like pirate talk back then it was just how he talked and d- did up this accent for this character and that just has somehow become just what everybody thinks of as pirate talk, which is pretty wild. That's great, great, Bob. That's great. We really like your accent. What accent? You know, it's like you can see the direct line from production design to Pirates of the Caribbean. It's like just a dead lift to like some mm-hmm. of the people just look like oh, the yeah. animatronics. It's crazy. Oh, totally. Totally. They're wearing the same clothes. It's just like just a copy and paste it's they found some really rugged folks to be yes for this movie like yes people who <laughs> look some, like wooden carvings some crusty men here yeah all right well we gotta get into this thing well, uh, did andy I mean, say if he liked it or not or, yeah he kind of hinted that he didn't quite like it as much okay you're just used to it here it's like wallpaper you know you just ignore yeah. it as you walk through the room. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, does it it really matter (laughs) yeah yeah, we'll find out andy take us on the high seas let's shove off repair the borders or whatever they say catch the lines you done robert (laughs) 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 pictures have, have we seen this intro we have was it three caballeros had yeah it would be or? caballeros yeah before point of oh, vista and, uh, was a twinkle in the eye fun and fancy mm. free those are the only two probably hmm. okay well it's different yeah well immediately from the music you know that this is an ad- adventure picture you know what else tells you it's an adventure picture the jolly roger flapping in the wind Yes, the credits to Treasure Island roll over a map of the actual Treasure Island with adventurous fanfare blaring. Um, And you guys may have, but I didn't recognize any of the names of the actors and, you know, people who worked on this movie in the credits. But uh, I'm sure some of you did. 
so we open on a shot of a rocky coast and the quote from the author Robert Louis Stevenson, if buccaneers and Barry Gold and all the old romance retold exactly in the ancient way can please me or please as me, they please of old, the wiser youngsters of today. So be it. What'd you guys think of that? I say, you know, give me a little literature at the top. You know, it's just you're heading in the right direction. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. A little taste. They were really into this. Like, you know, I, I'm surprised they didn't have the Treasure Island book and opened it. But, you know, they yeah. couldn't, they couldn't yeah. help themselves to have I a little something. That one yet. Yeah. They needed a chest of gold that they just pull up out, out of it comes the book. And then go into stop motion. Looking classy. Yeah. All right. Well, the rocky shoreline pans inland and we get England 1765 West Coast. That is the camera continues on towards the coast. And there's a gentleman making his way towards the Admiral Ben Benbow. I think that's how you say Benbow Benbow Tavern. Yeah. Just while we're there, I think, you know, in the first act, especially when you're on land, I feel like you see Disney going for some stuff that that is unusual. Uh, it's a really evocative kind of it's, I wonder if it's like art direction coming from animation background, but yeah, there's some map painting, some really interesting like perspectives on some of these buildings and shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost looks animated kind of, you know, there, there's definitely some illustration involved, but, but kind of different, kind of interesting. The face on the sign of the Admiral Benbow Tavern looks just like Admiral Benbow. <laughs> that's who. That's exactly <laughs> what I would imagine he looked like. Yeah. Uh, right away, though, we can tell something is up with this guy because he doesn't walk in immediately. He's kind of like casing out the joint, all suspicious like. And he enters the place and it's, it's empty except for a young boy, a young Jim Hawkins manning the bar. And the stranger demands a glass of double rum. Double rum. This guy's uh, really rough looking too. Looking yeah. like he's not had a wash in some time. What's up with the makeup department in this area? Man, I'm supposed filmmaking. to say the same I mean, thing. It's like he spent some, it's the best they can do. <laughs> he spent some time in the makeup chair. Maybe he didn't spend enough time. Maybe that was yeah, more from Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they put it on with a putty knife, whatever it yeah. was. <laughs> I don't I say it's super weird it. to see really, really, really early Disney films from like kind of the tail end of the golden age of Hollywood that look like something you'd see on TCM. It doesn't look like what I think of as like a, a Disney movie. It looks like a TCM movie because it's something that would be from MGM or Warner Brothers from back yeah. in the day. Yeah. yeah. Very Definitely. different feel. Well, this guy inquires about the place and the owner, which we find out is Jim's mother, and she's gone to town. And this guy starts asking if a fellow by the name of William Bones, Captain William Bones, had ever come through. And he kind of gets close to Jim's face. And <laughs> when he did that, I couldn't help. I was like, man, I bet you that dude's breath stunk something <laughs> awful. <laughs> yeah, I bet there was some real bad breath on the set. <laughs> Yeah, be sure yeah. to bring your breath mints. Yeah. We, and then he kind of pulls away and we see this nasty looking scar coming across his face. Well, Jim says he's not seen William Bones, but uh, the stranger notices a chest under the stairs with the initials <laughs> WB. Can I just say that Billy needs to chill with the glitter initialing? I mean, if you're trying yes. to hide it, come on, man. I, this, uh, I mean, c- come on. Yeah, we got the little little door open on his customized trunk i was like it'd be a little more subtle please <laughs> exactly 
Yeah. And so, yeah. So when this guy sees it, he just immediately hightails it out of there. Like he's on a mission. So we're, we're, we're supposed to th- believe that William Bones is on the lamb here. Like he's hiding out. Is that, this is my understanding. Yeah. Okay. Hiding, hiding out. out with a, with a, with a chest with, <laughs> with WB. It's kind sight. of like, yeah, it's kind and of he like keeps uh, in the main room. Right? <laughs> That's right. It's like <laughs> some kind of preteens little chest of memoirs, you know, like put the glitter on it, you know, it's kind of stick I've got to keep my trinkets close by <laughs> just in case I want to hightail it out of here. I glued on all the macaroni, but it came off. Class of 83 it was. We hope you have a good summer. It's been great <laughs> having right. class with you. Yeah, when you when you open the lid, it has a plays a little sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the nice. best dancer I ever seen it was. She dances around in circles. <laughs> it plays yo ho ho in a bottle of rum. <laughs> <laughs> well, soon after, an elderly Captain William Bones appears, <laughs> looking pretty rough from the top of the stairs, and yeah, he asked Jim if that was the one legged man. Jim says it wasn't, but this guy had a terrible scar across his face and. Old Billy Bones immediately knows that, that that was Black Dog, an old shipmate of his, and says that the one-legged man isn't far off. I like he says, uh, I got to pull my strength together, Jim. Got to get out of here. And takes a swig. I, I feel like that's a line I could use, you know, yep. to like younger people. Hey, I got to get my strength together. Got to get yeah. out of here. <laughs> that's right. Rum. Yeah. <laughs> he is looking rough, though. Yeah. Bones. Feels like that's not entirely acting you know there's some some tread on the tires yeah it's like it's very billy from uh it's a wonderful life if he was a pirate <laughs> or i was gonna say darby o'gill yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, so, so as jeff said billy bones demands some rum from jim but jim says he can't because he promised the doctor he wouldn't give him any well old billy bones is one thirsty fella and he just shoves jim out of the way and jim yeah, begs him to think uh I think he's got a drinking problem this guy yeah it seems like it's a crutch for him jim begs him not to uh not to have a sip and he even threatens to run to the town and fetch the doctor and the squire himself billy says he needs the rum to get his strength back just like jeff said so they can get out of there and jim has had enough and he leaves the tavern to get the doctor but immediately <laughs> is met by another strange man this time a blind one dressed in black and wearing a cloak. Uh, I love the pirate method of being visited by a series of randos. Yeah. Instead of just like doing your business, they're like, we will send. It's like, uh, like Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's like, we're going to send you three <laughs> random visitors one by one to like carry out the phases of our plot. Yeah. You think, yeah, you think Billy or black dog could have cut, you know, could have had, what he needed to, you know, to deliver to the bones on hand right. and not have to run out and grab the other guy. The next guy in line. It's a very Scott evil from Austin powers. Being like dad, you know, why are we going through all this? Just, you know, just shoot him. And he's <laughs> dead. Shoot him. You know, yeah, yeah. Just, just kill the guy. Right. <laughs> just kill the guy right here. <laughs> it's, it's over. It's a day of work for, uh, the kid. Oh yeah. yeah well, you can tell it the from, tavern. Yeah. Yeah. His very, very pained expressions that made me feel his pain. I was like, man, Bobby, really dialing up the horror face here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this guy he grabs Jim and he demands that he takes him to see Captain Billy Bones or he will break Jim's arm. Um Billy Bones sees the man known as Blind Pew. And Pew <laughs> has a gift for him. <laughs> From his old shipmates. Now, this one, all right, I, I'm going to do this the entire time, though, I think. But in the Muppet 
Muppet Treasure Island. Blind Pew cracked me up. Do you guys remember that? I mean, the guy's like, I'm a blind pew. Yeah. <laughs> does, he, does he keep running into stuff? Over yeah, there? yeah, yeah, it's yeah hilarious. That, He's yeah. great. Um, so, yeah, so Pew puts something in Billy's palm saying, and now it's done. And then he kind of like, he really gets out of there. I mean, he's light as a feather and he kind of spins and closes the door behind him. You'd never know he was blind. I mean, maybe he's like daredevil or something. Uh, so what did Pew give Billy? Well, it was a piece of parchment with a black spot in the middle. And on the back side, it says until dark. Billy knows that this means they're coming for him and he doesn't have long, but he says that they won't get him. What's mine is mine. He says, Jim helps Billy over to the chest that has his glittery initials on it (laughs) under the stairs. When Jim tries to help him open it, Billy again, just really just shoves him pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, and after unlocking it, Billy cuts away at the cloth top interior and he pulls out a, a folded piece of paper and, quickly stuffs it down his shirt very suspicious like again well this is about the time the rum kicks in because as soon as he stands up to make a break for it he comes <laughs> crashing right back down jim is worried about the captain and he tries to help him but then and billy kind of comes to and and he says the old hawks grounded jim can't shove off now that's a line i'm going to use i think for the rest of my life right there when anytime anybody wants me to do anything i'm like ah the old hawks grounded can't shove off can't shove off (laughs) yeah and he asked jim to go get some help well before fetching help billy shoves the mysterious piece of paper down jim's shirt saying if them mutton heads that slipped me the black spot gets here before you get back. They won't find that one on me. Muttonhead. That's a good one, too. That's a good one. Yeah, muttonheads. Jim, being a good lad, runs off as instructed as Billy gives him a, a parting luck, matey. Well, <clears throat> sometime later, a rowboat lands on the shore with Black Dog and a group of men jumping out. And they make their way toward the Admiral Benbow Tavern. And they tear the place apart when they arrive. Uh, but as soon as they hear the horse hooves, uh, someone coming, they just, you know, just kind of skedaddle out of there. And then the horses approaching are that of Dr. Livesey and Squire Trelawney and his men. And then, of course, young Jim. Well, Trelawney's men pursue the tavern intruders and they have a brisk gunfight. But meanwhile, Jim leads the doctor and Trelawney into the tavern where they find Billy Bones already dead of either shock or rum. Uh, Squire Trelawney wonders what those rascals wanted from William Bones. And Jim spills the beans about the piece of paper that Billy had given him just before he left. And it turns out that paper is actually a map locating a buried treasure of over 700,000 pounds. The treasure belonged to the famous buccaneer Captain Flint. Did you guys know who Captain Flint was? Is that was that something well known? Uh, not not to me. Famous. Yeah, me. Yeah. Okay. Very I'm famous. Just, I, could, I didn't know. Uh, well, Trelawney is as happy as a schoolboy when he realizes what uh, what they have in their hands. And, and his, when his men return saying that the intruders got away, Trelawney quickly sends them along. And he doesn't want to let on that, you know, what they're now in possession of. So then he talks a bunch of gibberish that I honestly could not make out. <laughs> Trelawney is a lot. Yes. He's a lot to deal with. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, I could not make out what he was saying, but I did discern that he wanted to hire a crew and get a ship 
and set sail to find this treasure, insisting that the doctor and Jim come along. Uh, the good doctor tries to talk some sense into the squire and even points point blank says Trelawney can't keep his mouth shut. <laughs> and uh, that's just inviting trouble. But Trelawney says, ah, he'll be silent as the grave. And he tells Jim that he'll even be a cabin boy. It's like, thanks. Uh, Jim's eyes light up at the thought of being a cabin boy and begs the doctor to put in a good word with his mother so that she'll let him go. And the doctor agrees as Trelawney celebrates. Well, around 10 days later, young Jim and the doctor arrive in Bristol and in the, they arrive in the Bristol flyer coach, uh, <laughs> which was pretty sweet. And Bristol, I'll tell you what, is a happening place. Mm-hmm. All sorts of characters right. about. Seeing these sets the and, and the map paintings, of Bristol made me think of uh, Disney's America theme park. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Even though, even though it was, that was England, but I mean, it, yeah. Oh, if only I would talk about the production design of this area and like the end that they go to, but it is all on point big time. Yes. Yeah, big time with the sets. Oh yeah. Jim spots Squire Trelawney stepping on a goose and he walks towards him and he's quite decked out too with his clothing choices. I mean, so much so that the, even the doctor refers to him as Admiral Trelawney. Um, Trelawney greets them with a, a jaunty ahoy and takes them to see their ship, the Hispaniola. Uh, Robert, did Trelawney remind you of a certain impression that we do very often, the happy version of it? This is nice. It's very good. It is. This is good. <laughs> Look at that. You mentioned it. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> this is pretty spot on with that. <laughs> Look around. Oh, yes. This is very nice. It's very good. So, right away, we see some shady characters noticing the Englishmen who've arrived. And uh, they're quick to eavesdrop on their conversation. And good grief, if Trelawney can't keep his mouth shut, my goodness. He talks. Uh, He also yells everything he says. It's like he doesn't, he can't control the volume of his voice. Uh, And the whole town is aware of what's going on and what they're after. And Trelawney says that their captain, Captain Smollett, is quite a man, but he's too picky about finding a crew, having only hired six men so far. Well, Trelawney says... He offered to step in and help, but the captain told him to hire a sea cook. So he did. And uh, bragging that he didn't waste any time pouring over his uh, the cook's credentials since all he needed was a taste of his hand. Excuse me. A taste of his ham and buttered eggs. That's well, all you uh, need. Yeah. Yeah. The three wannabe adventurers enter the tavern of Long John Silver, the sea cook Trelawney hired. Immediately, we see Silver and... He's it's clear he's kind of up to something already. He's kind of shushes away another guy again, very suspicious like. And John yeah. Silver welcomes his new employers, inviting them to have a seat at a table. And as they sit down, Silver brings him a plate of food, and Jim suddenly realizes that Long John Silver only has one leg, remembering the warning that Billy Bones had talked of. And Silver catches Jim staring and is quick to pick up that Jim is wary of him. And all right, so you, you touched on this at the top of the the, the show, but you know, I, I don't th- I, I don't think we can go any further with, with like you said without addressing Long John Silver in the way he talks. Uh, but because I, I had a tough time taking any of it seriously at this point, yeah. because it felt so played and so ridiculous, and uh, you know, since everything's such a derivative of that now, but I had to remind myself that this might have this was probably like like you said this was like the first movie 
where this kind of talk, this old sea dog lingo was really used. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, like this and this in this accent kind of way. And it's so funny. Exactly what you say. Like, it feels like he's doing like the oldest trick in the book and the total like stereotype. Like, this is ridiculously over the top. But it was like the first. It's like everybody's copying him who does it. Yeah. You can tell they're giving him the time to do all these performances. And, you know, a lot of it's just like close up shots of him throughout this movie. Like bug eyed. Yeah. And they're just like, keep it on him. So it's a magnetic performance for the time, you know. And then, like you said, now it feels just like the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Central casting. Trelawney and Jim, not too um, street, street smart. No, in there, no, picking no. up on picking up on social cues from this right. guy. Because why would you trust this guy? It's crazy. Yeah. Well, so they've already been warned that there's a one-legged man out there that's that's not to be trusted. And yeah, they, yeah, oh, it can't be this. So there's got to be more than one, right? I mean, I, th- I thought it'd be a good gag that they could have done that could have been subtle, where the food was always really bad. They're just like, oh, <laughs> what is up with this food? Why is it so bad? Yeah, <laughs> or like the doctor and Jim hate it, but Trelawney loves it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very good. I like it. And I enjoy to have tasty, tasty, <laughs> very pleasant ham. Yes, sir. Silver talks with his new employers, spinning tales of how he learned to be such a good sea cook when he sailed under some other guy. Meanwhile, a table full of some sketchy looking dudes are laughing over in the corner as if they know everything Silver is saying has very little truth in it. Silver keeps blowing smoke up Trelawney's undercoat and Trelawney (laughs) lets on that he doesn't have enough crew for his coming adventure. But Silver offers up a bunch of his former shipmates as crew who just happened to be available and ready to go. Hmm. Hmm. Silver says that they may be rough looking too, but they're often overlooked because some might not like the cut of their jib. Hmm. Great line. Trelawney is buying every bit of this hook, line and sinker and exclaims that he wants those men as his crew. Long John says that he knows that these men will be great because he knows every seaman around like the back of his hand. And that's when Jim calls him out asking if he knew the pirate Billy Bones. And Silver kind of pauses and then just lets out his huge laugh and just laughs off all this talk of pirates. But in order to keep a close eye on Jim, he asks Trelawney if he could borrow Jim for the rest of the day to assist him around the tavern since he's shorthanded. Well, Trelawney agrees under a mild protest from Jim and he and the doctor leave for the time being as Silver puts Jim to work right away clearing tables. Well, once back in the kitchen, Jim meets Long John's pet parrot, who he calls Captain Flint. Uh, I, which I believe is the only female in this movie. Is that right? <laughs> well, yeah, I was. Yeah. It's so weird to me that they mentioned Jim's mom right at the very top, but we never see her mm-hmm. and we never see them convincing her to let her kid go off with these random people on a pirate adventure. Yeah. Which seems just very strange to me. Uh, Silver kind of charms Jim with the bird. And he he, he talks like he, you know, he, of course, I, I think Silver, I'll back up. Silver, to me, I always thought he got that because of his silver tongue, the way he talked. Is that? Uh, I think I made that connection, like, even in high school or whatever. And so I didn't know if that still worked, if you guys caught on to that or not. That's but, a uh, great theory. Yeah. So, but during all this talk, a man orders a glass of double rum. And remembering the voice and the familiar order, Jim turns around and it's <laughs> Black Dog again and yells at his name, Black Dog. <laughs> Black, 
Yeah. Black Dog's like, uh-oh. He recognizes the kid, takes off running. Jim's yelling after him, stop him, stop him. And Long John orders that that, that table full of sketchy guys. He's like, yeah, go get him, go get him. And, uh, and those guys, they grab Jim instead. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at that. That was yeah. a good gag. And Silver's, like, no. uh, he annoyingly kind of corrects them. He's like, no, you dummies. And he's like, go get that guy. And uh, Jim asks him. And he asked Jim how he knew who that was. And Jim begins to divulge where he knew Black Dog from as uh, some of these other sketchy guys kind of lean in and listen. Jim kind of recognizes that he should probably stop talking as these guys are surrounding him. And they definitely look the part of the same men who tore up his mother's tavern going after hmm. Billy Bones. He still lets on that Black Dog is a pirate. And Long John tells the rest of the shady looking men to go after black dog as well and brings Jim back inside his tavern. And he says he has no kindness for them. Cutthroats and gives Jim a small pistol, which was given to him by Admiral Hawk. Well, silver says that he's off to find the rest of the crew. And when he returns, he and Jim will be shipmates. I wanted to point out something that I noticed here. I, I it's probably just me, but I think what's the actor who played Long John Silver? Uh, oh, Robert, Robert Newton. Robert Newton. Yeah, he looks like an old Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> <laughs> you can All see right. what was Shia's character name from Double or Even Stevens? Uh, Lewis. Lewis Stevens. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of same facial mannerisms that uh, that are being used, and I just wanted to point that out. Robert Lewis <laughs> Stevens. Oh, oh. interesting. Oh. Connected. The clues were all there, right oh. under our noses. Well, all I could see is like Jim's head turning into a giant sucker, <laughs> like oh. in an old cartoon. <laughs> as he's like, "Hmm, maybe this one-legged guy is really a f- he. Oh. He gave me a gun. He's yeah. got to be a cool dude." <laughs> I, I was just about to say, all this is working on Jim. I mean, he's so quick to put aside his concerns of, for Long John, the one-legged man who he's been warned about. Uh, in fact, he's he's just he just tr- instantly trusts him. Yeah, it's just so strange. Weird. I didn't like. I, I, honestly, I didn't like that part. That's I thought I was kind of I wanted to ding this story because of that. Well, sometime later, uh, Jim, Long John, and the crew. Uh, have they paddle out to the ship, the Hispaniola, and they climb aboard. And right away, Mr. Arrow, the ship's first mate, can tell something is up just by the looks of these guys getting coming aboard. <laughs> um, also, Mr. Arrow, famously played by the Sam the Eagle in Mother's. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. It was perfect casting. Uh, Trelawney welcomes them uh, aboard and congratulates Silver on finding a crew and introduces them to the ship's captain, Captain Smollett. And Smollett orders Mr. Arrow to record the names of the crew. And meanwhile, he'd like to speak with Trelawney and the doctor in his cabin. Well, three men share a toast to their voyage, but Captain Smollett speaks plainly to his employer, saying he doesn't like this commission or this crew. And Trelawney's like, bah, bah, and he's very <laughs> insulted. <laughs> he's like, you don't like your employer. And he, uh, he starts to run his mouth until the good doctor kind of reels him back in. He's like, he's like, let's hear the captain out. Well, the captain says that he knows the word has gotten out about where they're going and, uh, and what for. And he fears that this has attracted an unfit crew. Well, Trelawney says that he, he hasn't said a word. Uh, and there's a kind of nice, uh, 
BS reaction from the sh- from the doctor. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah, right. I know exactly. You've been running your mouth. <laughs> uh, well, the captain continues on about the safety precautions, and Trelawney uh, blows a gasket until Doctor uh, Livesey steps in and agrees with the captain. And they make arrangements for how to stay safe and prevent a possible mutiny. I was just so relieved by the captain because I'm like, at least finally someone was sent. Yes. Someone to be like, right. hey, these guys are all right. so sketchy. What are you doing? The three men finally raise their glasses in a toast and Captain Smollett reassures them that he will do his duty. Well, still acting like a child, Trelawney says that he finds the captain's attitude to be un-English. <laughs> um, I didn't, yeah, I didn't care for Trelawney. Uh, the captain gives Mr. Arrow the orders to weigh anchor and they set sail and we get a nice short montage of sailors making the ship ready. And as they head out to the high seas and setting us up for act two. Way anchor, Mr. Arrow. All hands on deck. And the windlass. With the subtitles on, we continue our adventure as our brave captain emerges from his cabin as crewmen go about their business, keeping the ship on a steady course. The captain is still a tad skeptical, though. He gives his commands to his trusty first mate, Mr. Arrow. As one of the crew bends over in the longboat, Mr. Arrow spots a sidearm. Avast! Avast there! As George Mary introduces himself, the captain scolds him and confiscates the weapon and warns the crew that further violations will result in 12 lashes. Tell you, I feel like the uh, there's a lot of, I don't know, not not enough discipline in this movie. <laughs> Seems like <laughs> there's a lot of threat of discipline, but then like letting a lot of stuff by. It's like, uh, guys, guys. Especially inexplicably with George <laughs> Mary. Who gets yeah. multiple times. Yeah. I'm going to count to 10. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to do it. <laughs> Young Mr. Hawkins asks Long John if he could turn his weapon, if he should turn his weapon in. Always the calculating pirate. Silver asks if he is responsible with it. No rum drinking. And he's not quarrelsome with like others aboard. Hawkins abides. Uh, George argues with the crew about getting uh, his piece confiscated. The crew is uh, more angry that George didn't keep it hidden better. George. And they'll lose their rum rations next. And he better abide by the orders of knives only in full, only in full sight. George is the, the Dex textbook buzzkill. Yeah. Also, can we not get a better pirate name than George? Yeah. <laughs> George, George. Mary says he's not keeping uh, this one in sight and reveals one tucked in his boot. Just then, old Long John Silver reaches down and removes it, saying, Ain't that a beauty now? Why, a knife like that could take down a gall, eh? He throws it overboard at a gall. Wow. I like an insert shot of the gall uh, with the knife flying out at it. Probably yeah. my favorite shot of the movie. Oh, that was I'm really so great. Glad you guys said that. I put that in my notes. I was like, good thing they showed us the knife going in the water. So good. <laughs> so, good. <laughs> uh, so with the knife haphazardly sailing through the air and hitting the water with a anticlimactic plop. <laughs> 
George, not too amused by Long John Silver's antics, says he's had enough. Long John reminds him who the captain is and to leave Mr. Arrow to him, seeing that Hawkins is listening. Long John changes his tune and says that Mr. Arrow is a friend of his. Slightly confused by his words and actions, Mary begrudgingly goes along. Jim naively accepts it as truth again. So, so many red flags here, Jim. Yeah, really? Jim's got a learn, man. He's young. Below What's deck? everybody else's excuse? <laughs> For real. Below deck in the galley, Silver is convincing Hawkins they need to do something to lighten Mr. Arrow's disposition. He's got the perfect solution. Plum duff. Always scheming, he asks if Jim's mom ever made it. And she, and if she used rum, Jim says, good and strong. So the smell went up your nose. I'm like, Jim, all right. Yeah. Jim, again, Jim's mom, man. <laughs> free free Here, with the Jim, rum. Have some plum. <laughs> Plumped <laughs> off. Um, Jim suggests they get some rum for cooking. Uh, old Long John says the captain might suspect him of sneaking double grog. Jim suggests he asks a uh, squire for some old long John says he'll, uh, he'll need to keep it a secret from the captain. Jim gives him a knuckle salute. Aye, captain and turns and runs off. Oh, Jim, Come did on, we not Jim. watch too smart for strangers, Jim? We're grownups <laughs> are asking you to keep secrets. You gotta, you gotta tell someone. <laughs> See something, say something, Jim. That's right, yeah. Jim. That night, the ship is sailing through some uh, strong gale. The crew is working above deck in the treacherous conditions. Long John is pulling his plum duff from the oven <laughs> as uh, his bird precariously perched above the prep table, which was bothering me quite a bit that his bird's wandering around over the prep table where he's cooking. Um, that's not sanitary. Yeah, that's not smart. Come on, you'd you be a better cook than that. Uh, he douses the cake with rum as the bell tolls. See, that's why the, the alcohol kills it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> the, he douses the cake with rum as the bell tolls for the watch change. Uh, the door opens as Long John watches the crew change and water pours in from above. He asks Mr. Arrow to spare a minute before he goes topside. He offers him some plum duff special for him. Mr. Arrow gives a satisfying grunt and digs in. Long John gives him another douse of rum and leaves the bottle and, uh, to the delight of Mr. Arrow, who goes straight for the drinking. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Arrow, with a delightfully obscure performance here, is basically like, mm, he's, a, he's Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Silver takes a, a, a post by the stairway and gets a snort of snuff up his nose as George grabs an apple with his cutlass and aggressively takes a bite. To the delight of John, of Long John, did anyone else catch him snorting snuff up his nose? Yeah, I did not. Yeah, just like the heavy apple presence in this movie. A lot of lot of uh, <laughs> apple industry presence here. Yeah, Big Apple's really pushing it, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Mister Arrow emerges from the galley a little worse for wear. Long John Silver warns that he'll need his sea legs tonight. Mister Arrow gives an agreeable arr and proceeds topside as George tries to stab him. Uh, Silver Again, stops George, him. George, come on, how you down make it? What's your exit strategy, yeah. George? <laughs> Yeah, have you thought this through, George? Silver stops him and pushes Arrow up 
steps and says he'll take care of him. The next day, a funeral for Mr. Arrow is underway, <laughs> washed overboard as the captain finishes his eulogy. Long John says, Amen. I laughed so hard at that. Oh, Ridiculous. Walt Disney snorting in the screening room over a bowl of chili. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That night, uh, Jim is pestering the helmsman for a um, for a change and not pestering Long John Silver, wondering if they'll ever see land. He says the crew always gets quarrelsome towards the end of a voyage. All the beer is gone and the it. water keg is crawling. Hey, mister, what you doing with that big wheel? Hey, mister. Hey. <laughs> what a different movie would have been with uh, uh, Moochie out there. <laughs> let your uh, water sure. hang too long and it's crawling. <laughs> I, don't want, I don't think I want to know what crawling water is. Like if no. that's like a term or. Yeah. Um, Take the crawling water. You need the hydrophobia. <laughs> I think you need some apples. Get yourself an apple. It'll be all right. You go and shoot. I always feed the horses apples too because they like them. <laughs> <laughs> when Try the last apple <laughs> oh are we done <laughs> yeah we'll stop when the last apples ate we'll sight land Jim runs off to grab an apple with only a few rolling around the bottom of the barrel he climbs in to grab one yeah. they, they're gonna need yeah. some on the way back too aren't God, they everywhere every land yes. has some apples well they have a second barrel they haven't opened yet <laughs> the lard is good to me <laughs> George and the others come out ready to start the mutiny. Jim overhears Long John Silver say, there'll be no killing until I give the word. Travis, you want to start a mutiny? <laughs> no, Elizabeth, hey, go on. Get out of here. You yeah. thought shooting a dog was fun. You're going to love this. Hey, yeah, what's a mutiny? Hey, hey, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> Like sitting astride a cannon. <laughs> with, with his head pointed down the cannon. <laughs> he got rid of Arrow and no one suspected anything and uh, not even young Mr. Alkins. The crew says they could use a stiff drink in a uh, roundabout way while they wait. Um, Long John Silver says to uh, have an apple to stave off the desire and begins to stab his knife into the barrel. Just then we hear land Oh, uh, Jim tells the captain and the doctor that this, and the squire that Lon John Silver is planning a mutiny. Captain plans to get the crew arrested and they'll uh, they'll need Jim to continue to be friends with Silver in the meantime. Is this when Trelawney says, I own myself an ass, which is <laughs> which is a line I want to adopt now. Uh, George Mary still grumbling at the timing. He, uh, he has decided to jump the guard and get them muskets as they pull the boat into harbor with the longboats. A fight breaks out as one of the pirates takes a, sh uh, a shot to the face. Yeah. PG rating. Yeah. And the mutiny uh, is, uh, some, is put down. I was thinking but, when you were talking about the scenes being cut, that was one few. I was like thinking of. Like, yeah. The, yeah. Point blank shot but in the face. Yeah. Why did they let Jim go along with Silver? That was so just dumb. Just take a moment, yeah. though, to talk about this shooting in the face. <laughs> and that, like, I get so <laughs> of tired of, let's take my moralistic stance, but I do get so tired of gratuitous violence in, like, every movie and TV thing now. It's just insane. 
And so this was like refreshing to see like people get stabbed and there's just like a little red mark on them and they're like, ah, ah, ouch, it stings. <laughs> Ooh, that stings. <laughs> Instead of seeing somebody get their face beaten in and it just shows it forever. Like, like Fight Club opened up a yeah. seal that like just a, just a little dash of red and uh, ah, you know, yeah. like blood splattering on the camera and like dripping down. So they arrest Mary and his men as Silver uh, is in the longboat and heads the shore. Not before he takes uh, Jim as a hostage, he calls back to Mary, referring to him, him as a blundering squid. Mary peeks out a cannon port portal, and Long John Silver says he'll take. A gem ashore until a treaty is made in exchange for Flint's map, and they head to the beach. I got to say, uh, Mary peeking out of that portal. Uh, <laughs> this is a callback to the guy who got stuck in the bathroom uh, on Boat Nicks. Yeah, yes, Boat yes Nicks. that's exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Same view. Jim jumps off the boat and runs into the jungle as uh, the swabs give chase. See, this I had a problem with that. He should have swam back to the ship. They could have just left him there. That's oh, a good point. A, a dumb if he swam back like, to the ship, they would have gone after him in the boat and gotten him. Yeah, yeah they just probably true. The, but they could have shot him, though, from with all the, the guns that they had. Swim back to where your friends are with guns. <laughs> exactly. Don't worry about the pirates. Because he got away, then go back and swim back, and you're good to go. Okay, you're saying don't run off in the jungle, just go hide, and then yeah, swim back to the boat. Exactly. Okay. There's the tail, and get back to the boat. But he was so you know, scared, he just took off on a dead heat. Because he got lost. Jim has never been on an adventure before. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jim jumps off the boat and runs into the jungle. Uh, suddenly, a strange bearded man jumps off a rock. <laughs> uh, face. Startling Jim, who goes for his firearm. Who's you know that guy? He reminded me of uh, the character from Life of Brian, the yes, guy that lives in a hole. Exactly yes. what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The hermit. I yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a different person. It reminds me of because a friend of the podcast uh, played um, this character who will name Ben Gunn here in a second um, in a play. And uh, uh, that would be Mr. Dan Traharn. No and, kidding. Yes. And, and he really, uh, he oh, looked just oh, like this guy nice. in his makeup <laughs> and his costume. So <laughs> um the strange man begs for his life and addresses himself as Ben Gunn. He says he hasn't spoken with a Christian in five years, which begs the question, who's he been talking to? Yeah, yeah. Satan himself. Who has he been talking to? <laughs> uh, uh, ben, who was marooned by Flint, uh, recognizes some of the crew as uh, as being Clint, uh, Flint's former crew and asks if there's a one-legged man amongst them. Uh, Jim tells him what's going on and Ben gives uh, us some good crazed yeah. maroon gibberish yeah. for the next few minutes. He finally agrees to help uh, Jim get back to the boat and scurries off and, and literally, literally scurries off. <laughs> I think Robert Louis Stevenson's editor should have called this guy and said, all right, you don't need yeah. to scratch this guy. For yeah. That story. yeah. You don't need him. Yeah. He's a big part of the, I think of the so. book though. Isn't he? I don't remember exactly, but I uh, I remember I the remember name. Either, so. um, the captain heads the shore with the remaining crew to set up a base of operation at the stock 
stockade ashore. Uh, ben shows uh, Jim his handmade boat from goatskins and bamboo. They see the captain coming ashore. Back on board, George Mary escapes, quickly overtakes the deckhands. As Long John Silver hears the shots fired from the shore, he watches as the flag is quickly lowered and a pirate flag is raised. He gives a satisfied R. It's not important, but how did he escape? I mean, it seemed very easy. It just seems like you walked out of the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like the back door yeah, was the door unlocked. Unlocked. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on. I forgot yeah, that, one. that door. Also, should probably search everybody's luggage when they come on board yeah. for like pirate yeah. flags, it's a dead just in case. <laughs> oh, I made that same. I was like, where did they get that pirate flag? Yeah. Just keep one on get hand. Your real ID every and form no of flag, flag yeah. available, <laughs> even the pirate flag. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case. case make sure everyone's represented uh, the pirates ignore the captain and the crew landing and make for the ship to get the muskets uh, ben ben takes jim to his uh, stockade and then splits and says he'll talk with the captain at spyglass hill that night and ends uh with some more gibberish back on board the pirates are getting loaded as silver arrives wanting to uh, clap mary in irons the crew protests and silver agrees to let mary walk as long as they agree he's the captain of this operation silver throughout has some real pr issues yeah. or hr issues yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like uh yeah you gotta clap clap that dude in irons man it's no good they leave to fight instead of drink heading to the stockade as at stockade they're preparing for battle silver says he's got a flag of truce and wants to come and talk terms silver says he wants a flint's map uh, they can do it with force or they can just hand it over and silver will, will spare their lives and leave them at the stockade and send help when he gets the chance quick question who built that stockade yeah, i was wondering that too where'd that come from yeah Oh, that's convenient. It's just an, oh, now that would make sense. I, I just they just uh, never mentioned. I don't think Croatan it was Flint's Island, and and he, and he on this map he had the stockade you know shown there. So. Uh, okay, mm -hmm. thank you, thank you. The captain says he'll take them all prisoner instead and sends Silver off. Silver warns the ones that die will be the lucky ones. Hmm. They begin their assault and hold off the pirate attack. They decide to fight in the open, which didn't make any sense to me. Which, why would you leave the bunker? That yeah, doesn't make any sense. This, they grab one gun from from their, their firing position. I'm like, just back up. <laughs> yeah. you know, so they can't do that again. Anyone pokes their head up into the, the hole, blowing their head off. Yeah, shoot them. Uh, they decide to fight in the open again. Like I said, it doesn't make any sense. As the pirates retreat, Long John yells, Oh, for ten toes! <laughs> and finally takes aim at Smollett, which, Oh, for ten toes is one of my dad's favorite lines. He thinks oh. that's hysterical. <laughs> when when that uh, one guy gets stabbed through the window, Jim's just like looks really shocked. Oh, yeah, yeah. we get one of his yeah. textbook <laughs> looks of horror. Also, yeah, uh, back to the, uh, yeah, the stabbing with little red makeup. You know, you take the lipstick out and just put it yeah. across Still the chest. Still Disney pulling Done. no punches throughout true. all this. It's true. It's true. A lot of stabbing going on. Silver takes aim at Smollett, shooting him in the shoulder. No blood. He just grabs his shoulder and goes, oh, ouch. Ow. <laughs> 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 He falls down in the stockade, and we fade out to end Act Two. If you come up here one by one, unarmed, 
I'll engage to tap you all in irons and take you home to a fair trial in England. You can't find the treasure, you can't sail the ship, and your cowardly scum can't fight. Now, bundle out of here, double quick. Give me a hand up, will you? Not I. Who give me a hand, I say? So be it. But a four hours out, you'll be begging help from me. Them that die will be the lucky ones. guys like the fighting and the double crossing so far i mean no. you, you want a lot more oh, of yeah. it over and over again let's go Please. we cut to jim getting some water at dusk he asks the doctor if the pirates will be back the doctor says he doesn't know but he also doesn't know a way out of this situation he gives jim the map as it's his by right and says he should buy it with he should buy his life with it if he needs to Inside, all oh, our captain is not so well. He says at flood tide tomorrow, they could bring the ship close to shore and level the fort. Pirates don't have all the boats. Perhaps they could sabotage the ship. Jim hears the crew strategizing, grabs a knife, and sneaks off, crawling out through the grass and running toward the boat that Ben Gunn showed him. He rows out to the ship and hears the breaking of bottles and yelling, which, you know, love some good foley. <laughs> Great foley. When he looks down into the ship, he hears pirates arguing. He goes up to the helm and turns the wheel as far as he can. Meanwhile, he sees a pirate come up and get killed, followed by a pirate who is crawling out of below decks. Crawls over to the cannon to fire it to signal for help. Jim is there to stop him. Let me just say, at this point, I was like, "This is uh, Jim has taken a complete turn for me." Oh yeah, like, Jim, you were you were doing something helpful. You're good at it. What's going on? It's like a totally different turn for him and i'm like this i'm with you now man he's a yeah. he's a sponge man he's learning he's, he's surviving and thriving crafty yeah so he crawls over to the cannon to fire it a signal for help jim is there to stop him the pirate in a weakened condition is just reaching for jim but as he walks over he collapses so uh, but it's all a ruse when jim walks by he grabs jim's leg and trips him which i really thought that was <laughs> gotcha <laughs> And the map falls out while the pirate grabs his gun and the two are off on a very calm chase around the boat. Uh, <laughs> hey, 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 I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Jim crawls up the mast. Yeah, this is another thing about, you know, action movies at this time. It just the, the cuts are a little different. The, uh, the pace is a little yeah. slower. I wanted like a Scooby-Doo-esque, like Jim running one door and uh, the pirate come out another door kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Each other. <laughs> pirate also climbs up the mast. Jim has his pistol and is holding the pirate at bay, but the pirate slings his dagger and Jim shoots yeah. him and wastes him. Michael. Yeah. Well, Jim says, I'll blow your brains out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, whoa. Come on. So I didn't know it. that that went back that far. Yeah, yeah. And then the guy just straight up stabs him in the shoulder. Ow. That's good. Like they would never show a kid in peril like this. Yeah. Today. I mean, that's very, yeah, I, I was shocked to the, I was like, dang, 
Well, the ship is running aground due to that steering that Jim did earlier, and he falls down off the mast as he's injured his shoulder from the dagger. Still has enough strength to take down that pirate flag and put up the Union Jack. So take yeah, down man. pirate jerks. I got your flag. <laughs> <laughs> Jim crawls off the ship and onto shore, dragging his pitiful shoulder and generally falling all over the place. This would be a fun thing to shoot, you know? Yeah. This was a real, like, Jim has had a night. Yeah. Right. Jim has had quite a night. And he's coming back a little rough for the wear. I, I, this was a shot I was talking about earlier. It looked like a body double on the, yeah. on the wide this shots. Like a, somebody from the circus coming in to do all those pratfalls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Which made, yeah, it had to have been that they had to do some cover shots they didn't have have him around for, or old some like, Bobby wasn't really good at stumbling in the jungle, sixty year old Italian jockey or yeah. something <laughs> like that. Where you want me to stand? Uh, well, suddenly he goes to Dagobah and is really having trouble with his shoulder. <laughs> yes, he's like, yes, oh, putting dirty great. swamp water on it to see if he can get it infected. I don't know what's yeah, happening. Like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> Maybe I should put this water on it. Oh God, I'm hallucinating. Where's any, Yoda? Any water is good water. <laughs> I'm supposed to see the master Yoda. I have time for this. <laughs> We're wasting our time. Um, oh, it hurts. <laughs> <ow>. <laughs> well, eventually he does. Uh, you know, he seems delirious, so he's probably gotten it infected, but he uh, eventually finds the fort as the day breaks and he makes his way in, stumbling and bumbling. I got some, a lot of stumbling. And why didn't anyone notice that Jim was gone? Well, maybe they did because inside he finds nobody there. Mm. There are people there, but actually it's Long John Silver who says matey, which is a great shot. It's like some comic book shots. You know, yes. that one That one was a real one. It's like really up in his face. Well, that makes old Jim faint. It's about time. Pirates say he's been blood poisoned and Long John says, I've asked to leave him alone and fetch the water bucket. Don't let it hang too long. <laughs> Well, the pirates don't like that. And we enter in a whole interlude of uh, pirate, pirate law. Yeah, pirate law and council. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I was. Remember how in whatever Pirates of the Caribbean it was, they go into all this pirate law stuff. And it's like, yes, oh my gosh. He called for the parlay. Like, rules is rules. So much yeah. lore. I'm like, man. But uh, even in it's, this, there there's a little bit of like pirate law. ABC is interesting. Like a pirate law series, <laughs> like a, just a regular legal like, series, yeah, but it's like, like pirate law. Dun, dun, unfrozen caveman <laughs> lawyer, but a pirate. Yeah. <laughs> it's about as interesting as Trade Federation talk. It uh, is. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it has the has the feeling of that. It really. <laughs> slows down the pace here but um frozen pirate lawyer i sailed around cape horn and <laughs> went to antarctica got froze and now i'm a lawyer by day in the legal system there are two parts <laughs> Marley he and the who, plank. who breaketh the laws yeah. and the pirates who enforce them <laughs> i'm here to serve you a black spot these are their stories oh man okay so here we go. Pirates don't like that he's trying to tend to Jim. Long John holds his own yet again. I mean, somehow he is able to like always be in trouble with these guys, but also 
keep them at bay. It's a real skill. You know? Yeah. He walks a fine line. Also, why does he care about Jim so much? Well, well see, that was my indeed? question. I think that is a deep question, guys. I think that's a, a, like the root of the whole thing. I was like, do you think that Long John Silver actually cared for Jim or is he just using him exactly. the entire time? Exactly. Yeah. We're not meant to know, I don't think, yet or ever, perhaps. Anyway, pirates decide to take their own counsel as Long John tends to Jim and nurses him. Well, Jim wakes up. Long John says when he walked in the other night, all the Brits were gone. He says, don't worry. They'll take take good care of him. So where did the Brits go? It's like a lost colony situation. Croatan. Yeah. <laughs> well, he proceeds to crawl up to the top of the fort where he happens to see the ship grounded with the Union Jack flying. <laughs> That's not good for him. He waves the white flag of truce and yells out to the doctor that they have the boy and the doctor answers. So where did they go? Kept just watching, I guess. Creeping. Captain Silver climbs down and the pirates come back from their council and they've decided to give him the black spot. Uh, but it's f- I love their little huddle. <laughs> yes. They have outside when he's on the roof. Stop, 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 right, sidebar stop, stop, stop. guys. <laughs> Uh, but it's from a Bible where they had to cut out a page. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure this is in the book, but this seemed like it went on. It's like, okay. Who's got a black magic marker? This is a Doug, a Doug McSwain favorite right here. Oh, this okay. He, lo- he loves pirate law. Ah, uh, black spot will shiver me timbers. <laughs> Long John, he chides the group for this, mm. for taking the book, the page of the Bible. And there's a little uh, disagreement among the pirates. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Shouldn't have done it, George. Oh, man. You can't fool this cruel crew no longer. Step down. Long John says there'll be no voting until the map is settled. Let me get the map and figure out where this treasure is. The pirates don't like that, but the doctor's yelling for silver. There's a lot going on here, you know? (laughs) Parliamentary procedure. Doctor (laughs) comes waving a white flag. He says, bring Jim out. And then this is like layers upon layers in a very short time of like, he's like, I am going to go out, but I'm, I'm going to fool the doctor. I'm fooling Jim and I'm fooling the pirates. Everybody's getting fooled and making deals with everybody. So he makes Jim swear not to run off. And he goes to have parlay with the doctor. Long John says, if it wasn't for him, he'd have his throat cut. The doctor has Jim bite the bullet as he goes to work. Long John's doing his best to talk to the doctor reveals he actually has the map already. He says he could guard the boy until the pirates are satisfied. He fears the gallows. So he doesn't want to get hanged. So he's trying to get the doctor to vouch for him to save his life. If he can save Jim's seems like a hard deal to make, but yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of things in the air, yes. <laughs> a lot of balls in the air for old long John silver at this yes. point. Yes. It's like, it's a George Costanza lie that he's yes. trying to keep afloat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps getting deeper and deeper. Right. It's so true. I've got two solariums. <laughs> <laughs> well, the doctor wants to speak to Jim alone. Uh, so long John asked him to talk to him while he's doctoring him. Goes over to his pirate buddies and is like, hey, oh, woo, crazy day, huh? The doctor <laughs> says, you're not going back to the pirates. He says they'll both make a run for it. But Jim gave his word not to. He's a child of honor. He decides to stay with Kapla. pirates because he's yeah. <laughs> the doctor says he will do his best to save Silver. And they part ways yet again with Jim going back to the pirates. 
Well, two things. First of all, Jim's suddenly better as soon as he gets the bandage on him. Man, all I mean, better. Just put some Neosporin on that thing. And let's I mean, go. Good to Rub go. some apple juice on it. And let's keep moving. <laughs> and then the second, yeah. when the doctor says, when we're about to part, he says, good luck, Jim. And he just shakes his hand. And yeah. I'm like, eh, very manly. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, ow, my shoulder. <laughs> good luck. Um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty uh, grody with uh, I've got to open up the wound. Yeah, PJ. Yeah. Bite down on the bullet, open up the wound and put a slice of apple in there. Right. <laughs> They'll soak up the poison. You'd be growing sprouts out your hair. I need my leeches. Uh, well, Silver reveals to the pirates the treasure map and resigns as the pirates protest now because he's like, oh, I'm done. I'm not going to help anymore. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> tell George to they they tell George to tear up the black spot. So that was pretty funny. And Silver says, "Put it back in the Bible." <laughs> so at this time, I was thinking, I was like, "Where's Crazy Guy?" Uh, like, he's yeah, been gone well, for a long time. Good question. They're off to find the treasure. They see a tree, and the base of the tree, they find a skeleton. They know who this person is and how he was killed. Maybe the skeleton is pointing to another treasure to the doubloons. So they're off, you know, with some lovely map painting again. Yeah. Yes. Map painting is on point through here. Yeah. Pirates believe they found it and begin to fight amongst themselves immediately, which I thought was great. Little acting moment, like shoving each other out of the way. But the treasure is gone. Silver seems to get very aggravated. He tells Jim to stand by for trouble. They find one measly guinea. George says he's made a deal with the doctor and reaches for his pistol but Silver is quicker and fires first, even throws his crutch, which I thought was hilarious. That was great. <laughs> the Brits are lying in wait and do some extra shooting. And uh, old Ben Gunn brings back his crutch and ah, says there he, he has the treasure in Ben Gunn's cave. There you go. But this was totally like Quentin Tarantino's Treasure Island because Silver shoots uh George, but then he pulls out two more guns that he's got like stowed yes. away and yeah. like double double fisting shoots the two other guys. I did think that was a funny little thing of him like having Jim stow the pistol, but he has like all this, you know, it's like it was a funny yeah. little payoff. Like Yeah. But Ben Gunn has a whole treasure in his cave full of gold. Kind of a cool little set up he has here in the production standpoint silver's getting mighty twitchy eyed he has not had a twitcher eyes like and nobody can twitch twitch her eyes like newton no uh, both shy could do it yeah you think shy could do it yeah, probably shy. yeah. <laughs> this whole section like poor old parrots like hanging on for dear life oh, the yeah. whole time yes yeah. all i could watch like, was the parrot like oh. trying not to fall off well we've not <clears throat> we've not talked about that robert what do you think of the parrot acting yeah uh, it was uh, it was marginal at best. Um, <laughs> marginal at best. Man's I mean, talking. I he could have delivered his lines better, and they were sort of like disjointed. Too. Like, like, yeah, I mean, come on. I don't know. You expect more from a parrot. Pieces of a. There could have been a pause in there, you know. Anyway, well, the captain asks what Silver has to say for himself, and Jim and the Doctor vouch for him. He says they can testify in court go put silver and irons he hands jim the parrot for safekeeping jim says he can't uh it you know does one of his like i cannot watch the parrot be sad he will not (laughs) something 
And I'm like, I wouldn't want a freaking parrot. Yeah. I just no. really don't want a parrot is the truth of it. But they're off to the ship. Uh, so that's the end, right? Nope. In the rope, it's silver gets the jumps on the jump on the Brits somehow. Oh, like, Come look on. over there. Grabs Jim's pistol and makes him jump off the boat. There is a <sighs> lot of laughter from Long John as he's watching the Brits swimming here, guys. Yeah. A lot of a lot of adrenaline, I guess. He says if Jim will help him get to the boat, he'll drop him off on his way. But Jim runs the boat aground. I was like, man, just help him out. You know, like, what's the point at this point? What are we doing? <laughs> Long John holds the gun up to him and says, shove him off. But Jim refuses. Silver drops his gun. He can't manage to kill him, guys. So maybe it's a little bit more than just uh, an insurance policy. Maybe he sees something in Jim Hawkins, just like Walt mm. did in uh, Bobby Driscoll. Mm. <laughs> i'll put you in a movie lad he reminds me of myself from marceline in my dreaming tree uh <laughs> by this time the brits are making their way through the water which is kind of funny and jim indeed does shove off silver in his boat so oh jim helping out and like, uh, yeah what are you doing man oh come on let him go he manages to escape john says i might have known you'd never abandon your old shipmate we see him strike a sail in open water as the Brits, Brits catch up to Jim. Which I was like, where'd that come from? Ah, good question. Say <laughs> sharks may get him yet. Doctor says he almost wishes him good luck. But uh, we see that Silver wishes Jim good luck. And Jim waves a teary farewell. And we reach the end. Goodbye, matey. Good luck to him. Lost him. I could almost find it in my heart to hope he makes it. Arr. What happened to Ben Gunn? He went off with the Brits. It was with them. Forget me. We don't, we don't know that though. They don't. It's, it's a terrible ending. They don't resolve anything. It's not really resolved. I didn't stick around for the end of the credits. Did they do like a MCU type thing? <laughs> a ship comes out of the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the multiverse. They get a Matakumbe. <laughs> Peter Ustinov shows up as Blackbeard's ghost. Uh, have you ever been to Bay Lake? Well, there we go. Treasure Island. First live action, full, full length live action Disney movie. A little different than the stuff we've been watching, I would say. Yeah, a little bit. Absolutely. I guess we should rate this sucker uh, using our custom rating system, our patented rating system. Every episode, it's a little different. What are we rating with tonight, Robert? Well, we're going to rate with a uh, plot device um, that had me looking up recipes for a possible Andy's uh, Andy will try it ah. tonight. We're going to be uh, rating rum. against Plum Duff. Oh, I thought you were going to say double rum. I was like, I'll try that. No problem. <laughs> Grog. Okay. Uh, on a scale of one to five uh, rounds of Plum Duff, uh, what do you give the plot and writing, Michael? I'm going to give it 
a well it's hard to say because they're adapting something that is fixed in stone because it is the book upon which it is based my biggest problems with the movie are early in the movie when everybody's just really dumb for no good reason and should be well aware of what is going on and i don't like the coincidence with uh, the guy's sparkly suitcase being just sitting out <laughs> for no reason. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I like the dialogue though. Like the dialogue throughout is is really fun and piratey. Um, gosh, I guess I'll give it a three just to ding it for people being dumb. But I do like <laughs> all the pirate stuff. I'm gonna go ahead and agree with you on a, on the three. For me, you know it's the third act which again like you say they're adapting a classic so you can't do much to it that's like i usually ding things for going on too long and I, I thought it did go on too long in a way but like almost they could have put a little bit more in there to like pace it out a little bit better because at the end it was kind of like Aha, but I have this. Well, well, I've got this. And what about this? Nah. It's like, yeah, it needs to be like something where they're like, oh, we got to eat some food and take a break. Oh, but I got this. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll say three. But they were like you said, there were some amazing lines in there. And again, there, you know, we talk about the Christmas Carol just right before this. Who knows what is actually from the book and what's not. But. You know, when you got good source material, that's what you get. Good lines. So, all right, let's go to Robert. I'm going to go with a four because I think the dialogue um, pushes it up for me. I agree with everything you've said, but uh, I, mean, I think this, the, um, some of the lines in there, I, I can't, I can't imagine they're all ad-libbed by Robert Newton. Right. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, that makes it a four for me. Andy. How many plumbed ups? I, I I completely agree with everything you said. Uh, I'll even add like old Ben. Uh, I again, I think he sh- he could have been removed. I don't think he really added that much, except you know he just the, the surprise. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I moved the the stuff. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah, I just, just moved it right like over here. Done, yeah, wah ha ha. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Just great lines. Uh, of course, I, I love the idea of you know pirates going off and or you know the the double crossing and uh, that kind of stuff. I always, I thought that was great, but uh, so yeah, I'm going to go with a three uh, plum duff as well. Okay. We're going to go to casting and acting. I'm going to stick with you, Andy. What you, what you got for us? This was tough for me. I, I'm in between the three and a four. Um, I thought, I, I thought long John, I, I thought he was great. I mean, to be that iconic in order to like establish pirate lingo, like he did, I think that performance like that would have to be uh, fantastic. And so I thought that was great. I thought there was some other, I thought the doctor was, did well. Um, but then like, uh, what's his name? The, the squire, that guy drove me nuts. Mm. And, um, and I, but I thought the captain was good. And so I'm just like, I'm borderline. I don't know which way to go, but there's another category that I feel the same way. So for this one, I think, I think I'm going to go four on this one. Okay. Four uh, plum doves. Yeah. Michael, what do you want to give it? I'm going to give it a four. I, I think I agree with everything Andy said. And I like the captain. I like the doctor. I wish the doctor had been given a little bit more to do just because yeah. I liked him yep. a lot. It's like a Leslie and Howard character. 
It's like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, uh, you know, I wasn't wild about Bobby at the start until he got kind of hard boiled and then I liked him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, when he was just sort of the wide eyed naive, which I mean, I guess that's the character. So I can't ding him too hard for that, but yeah, I'll give it a four. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go down to a three, I, I, but I'm with you, Andy, and that I don't know. And some of this is like the time period it was made in and the fact that like Michael said earlier, it just doesn't feel quite yet like a Disney movie. It just feels a little older than that. But some of this is into that, but I just didn't like a lot of the acting. I did not like Bobby Driscoll. I felt like Bobby was a little past his prime in this one, but I did. Of course, Robert Newton's great. I also thought the doctor was great, but some of it was just too, like, I don't know. Oh, like the pirates just like, we've discussed and we've decided we don't want to be in your crew anymore. Yeah. It's just, but that's like also was the style of the time. So it's hard to rate. So I'm just going to go middle. Yep. We'll throw it to Robert. I'm gonna go to four. It was uh, the only thing that really brought it down for me was uh, was Driscoll's performance. I didn't think he was great. Um, his his acting just seemed stiff to me, and um, especially when you're acting alongside you know Robert Newton, who I thought you know, hit it out of the park. Yeah, I, lo- is, I loved every every scene great. he was in. Great. So um, I mean, if it hadn't been for that, if they had you know had Moochie in there instead of yeah you know, Driscoll, then. Uh, you gotta fight fire with fire but in all seriousness though tommy kirk would have been really good yeah yeah tommy kirk would have been great in this would have been really good uh production value i will start this one off and i'm gonna give this a four a strong four i thought that this was a really good i I didn't really love the music as much as some of the other films we've watched, but I thought the map paintings and all the cinematography and the sets and stuff were, were excellent. Um, wouldn't quite give it a five, but really good. Michael. Yeah, I'll give it a strong four as well. I think everything looked great. I like the fact that they, shot stuff on location, had a real ship that they shot on a real ship sort of reconstructed from the period. And uh, yeah, it looked great. The match shots looked great. The production design of like all the inns and the taverns and everything was really fun. So yeah, big, big strong four. Andy. I, I agree completely. Uh, there was nothing that looked cheap or pulled like there was nothing that pulled me out of the movie when I saw it, except probably the closest thing may have been the glittery chest of yeah. Billy bones, of but, uh, <laughs> but everything else I thought looked fantastic. And um, so I'm going to go with a four as well. And Robert, I was gonna go with a five, but there's two things that bothered me. I think the music never captured me at all. Mm-hmm. And then there were a couple of scenes in the beginning, I think in act one uh, where they had a, a ship on a set and then the backdrop was just really poorly painted hmm. and then that that took me out of the uh, of the scene i just kept seeing that and it was just pa- painfully obvious that they were on a, on, a, on a set there um, did anyone else notice that i did not. did not i did not either yeah so yeah it's right there when they're when they're loading up the ship at the very beginning they're getting ready to set sail there in the harbor at uh, in bristol um and to, i mean it, it jumped out to me immediately so but maybe hmm. it was just me but um, but I'll dig it for that. And, and that's what I would have given it a five. If it hadn't been for those two things. 
Okay, well, we're going to end up with entertainment value. I'm going to stick with you, Robert. What do you give this movie in plum duff form? Um, I think uh, for entertainment value, I um, I love this movie. Uh, and there's not a lot that that turns me off from it. Um, and I mean, I've watched it a lot. In my, you know, it, I guess it's nostalgia for, that I watch it with my dad. Uh, I watch it with my kids. Uh, I guess I just enjoy it, and it's a four for me. Okay, Andy. Um, I this is in the other category that I was between a three and a four, um, but because I went with a four on the casting and acting, I'm going to go with a three on this because I'm being a little bit more objective about it. I don't have a history with this. Uh, so just taking it for what it is, uh, I feel I, I don't feel like I can give it a four, but it wasn't bad, but it's not something that I think I would be like, yeah, let's everyone sit down and watch Treasure Island. So just I mean, if it's on, maybe watch it, maybe not. So I feel like that's a worthy of a three. I agree with you. I I found it interesting to watch from the historical perspective, but and I would not turn it off if it came on. But uh, to me, it was and like I've said several times it's a lot of it's just of like when it was and the kind of movie it was i feel like you know those movies got a lot better in the decades to follow the adventure swashbuckling movies but uh it just was kind of neutral to me so i'm gonna give it a three we'll end with my brother michael what do you give it this is like a classic 3.5 for me if we had half a duff um i i agree with everything you said I don't know. I I enjoyed it more as it went along, really, and yeah. as the sort of action ramped up, and as as I said before, as like Jim becomes less of like a dope, and uh, really gets wise to what's going on. And I liked all the twistiness to the end, so I'll give it a four. Yeah, it's something I'd I'd watch if it was on. Absolutely, yeah. Let's punch these numbers into our computer that wore tennis shoes. See what Treasure Island gets. All right. Treasure Island comes in with a 3.63, putting it right above Tron and tied with a three-way tie with the Journey of Natty Gan Revisited and the Love Bug. I'm surprised Tron was that low with just knowing the people involved. Yeah, me too. I tanked that. I don't know. I think. Yeah, um, Robert was, hated it. <laughs> didn't hated enjoy it. Tron that much. <laughs> I understand that. So we're right there at number uh, fourteen. Well, there you go. Well, we have said what we have to say about this movie. We're going to set off on our own little tiny ship. Before we do, let's see what Leonard Malton had to say about this one, Michael. Leonard Malton says. It's one of Disney's all-time best live-action films and a truly outstanding adventure tale that puts most of its more contemporary imitations to shame. <gasps> well, he liked it. He loved it. <laughs> he right. likes it. Well, there you go. Treasure Island. What a movie. What are <laughs> we going to watch next, Robert? What's coming up down the road here? Well, we've survived another holiday season, but the adventure continues and we're dipping our toe into some uncharted waters. Well, actually, we've sailed past this cove uh, that is the 1990s once before with the Rocketeer. But this time we're heading back for an iconic 90s movie. 
that spawned multiple sequels, a Disney Plus series, and lots and lots and lots of merchandise. And oh yeah, an NHL hockey team came from this movie. That movie, of course, is The Mighty Ducks. And I'm sensing a little apprehension from some of my society members here on this one. What are our thoughts here, guys? Well, I will say that I personally have never seen this. Wow. Oh, same here. I've never seen it. I don't think I've seen it. Dubious. No, I'm the only one seen it. No, I think I have seen it. But you know, this is a white uh, wife. This is a movie my wife holds in high regard. It's kind of in the middle of a a lot of her movie Venn diagram, mostly surrounding the time it was made. Um, She likes skating movies. She does. She does. She likes that weird one that that came out around the same time. What was that called? Oh, um, what was that one? It was about the the yeah the hockey player and the and the figure uh, skater that uh, team up. Gosh, she loves that. Movie. So many girlfriends. She like likes that movie. Cool Runnings. With, uh, Buffy's sister in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's really cool big Runnings. Cool Runnings fan. So this is you know <laughs> she's very excited that we're doing this. Also, I never watched this movie as a youth, but I did have a Mighty Ducks hat that I loved. You did. It's great. Mighty Ducks of Anaheim at the Anaheim Pond. Can we talk about why this movie would spawn an NHL franchise and how Michael Eisner that is? Just Well, I mean, the answer is Michael Eisner. Yeah, is and probably his kid that. is really the answer. Yeah, very true. Very this true. stuff's lame. We need a hockey team. You know, this is a great <laughs> idea. Hello. How about a hockey team? Hello. I'm in a hockey arena. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm excited because I think it's a real change of pace. You know, it's good to mix it up. It's good. This is our first 90s movie, like set in the 90s. This too, is a so. real 90s movie, I think. So, yeah. Wait, was uh, Lohan uh, Freaky Friday no, 90s? No, it was, off, oh, it was right? 2003, I believe, 2002. Oh, and Tina Fey in it. Yeah. Tina Fey wasn't in that. I was kidding. I was You're thinking, thinking of Mean Girls. Mean Girls oh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway well we're at the halfway point and as you can tell from my memory we're an equal distance from the beginning to the end there's no point in turning back now in the next weeks the season five lineup will be revealed in a secret envelope under the tightest of security it's right there in robert's little uh hope chest with his little rm on the glitter (laughs) sparkly yeah sparkly art we'll be finding out uh this little child will be coming through and we're going to steal it off his person, but there's still time to sway the founder's mind. Mr. Founder himself on what comes next season. Why don't you let him know what you want to see at the usual spots? That's info at medfieldfilm.com on email and at medfieldfilm on social media. No TikTok. Yar, I'm a pirate. And I be looking for some top shelf graphic designer who ain't a given to rum a drinking nor quarrelsome like others. I shall not name. Uh, wait, I don't have an enemy, Robert. I'm sorry. <laughs> if you've listened to this podcast before, you know what. This <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I didn't see that below. <clears throat> If you've listened to this podcast before, you know what to do. If you're new to our shenanigans, just go to bindedgraphics.com. That's B-Y-D-A-N-D graphics.com. Or, and look Todd Naprick up. He does the graphic job for us, and he makes us look good. He's been with us since day one, and that's all you really need to know. I just scared the crap out of my talk.
<laughs> oh well so for all of us here at the medfield college film society to all of you gar mind your lovers or whatever they say and uh we'll see you next time on center ice for the mighty ducks Mighty Redfield, loyally we cheer.